Welcome to another episode of Jody Jenkins, the golf guy. As always, you can find us online by simply emailing J-O-D-I-E at jjthegolfguy.com. And you can also find us at uh, Golf News Net. Uh, Ryan Ballingy and his crew there uh, have us as one of their partner shows. So it's just another opportunity to check out the program. And of course, all your favorite other podcast platforms, iHeartRadio, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. The show is everywhere. Our producer, Brett Black, in the studio. And I know that you've been a little bit down because of the restrictions as of late with golf, but hopefully some positive news on the horizon. And our guest today, I, I don't know if he has the answer for us as, as to when golf might open, but I think that he might be able to shed a little bit of light about what's going on behind the scenes. We're excited to welcome from the PGA of Canada, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Kevin Thistle. Kevin, welcome back. Thanks, Jody. Always appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you on the program again. You've been on so many times, and I want to start with a with a little bit of a flashback going back to the year 2002. I was reading about this uh, in anticipation of you coming on, and I'm sure you remember that year well. That was the year that John Rollins won the Bell Canadian Open at Angus Glen. What are what are some of this was quite the tournament. It was interesting. Eight Canadians in the field. Uh, John Rollins was. I don't think he was a name that anyone had as a potential winner, but what do you remember about that, that event that year? You know, the amazing thing is there's so many uh, great things about the staff working. Like it felt like 20 hour days, you know, it, it was just adrenaline. It was a, it was a, a labor of love, of course. But the amazing thing is I remember having Gordon Stollery. We're watching um, the 18th hole. Uh, Neil Lancaster has a two shot lead. He's not made a bogey all year. He's on his 72nd hole. And the only only way you're making single or double, really, is if you hit it in the water in the left or the stream in the left, right? You know, off the tee on 18. Yeah, Good hole, yeah. but, you know. Um, so Gordon and I are watching it on the through a TV camera, actually. And Lancaster nails it down in the middle. Like, okay, let's go. We got to get make our way to the 18th green to, to do the award ceremony. And all of a sudden, hits in the bunker. No problem. Chips it up. No problem. Next punt, leaves it four feet short. Miss it, double bogey. I'm like, what just happened? You know, and 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 all of a sudden there's a three three man playoff and 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 wow, you know. And so John Rollins, you know, his first time winning. And the nice thing is, um, here he is. He went to the uh, as, as a lot of champions do. He went to the volunteer tent, and then we had like a little celebration for Nancy Filoso. Okay, at my place, and then she she was with Bell at the time. You know, uh, RBC Canadian Open, of course, but Bell was sponsored time, and. Uh, and he hung out with us. He came to my house. We went out for, you know, we went out for a little celebration. And he, I think he just was like, hey, I didn't plan on doing it tonight. So why don't I just hang out with you guys? So it was it was a great story. And, of course, John Rollins, ultimately winner of three PGA Tour events. And he's only 45 years old. And, I, I mean, I should have, I didn't dig too deep into what he's doing now. But any any idea of what he might be doing? I don't know if he plays anymore No, he, he plays but it's like everyone you hear you hear them talk and it's like you know he had a nice little run on the pga tour and then of course man it's so tough out there but yeah. he, because his three wins still don't don't get him on the senior tour but they're all looking for the senior tour right because if they can get on there it's just a, an automatic check every uh, every week and they still get to do what they love uh they just want to play golf and hang out with their buddies from 20 years ago 
Now, Kevin, let's uh, stick with the Canadian Open just for another couple minutes here. But you, I assume, if I, if my math is correct, you are part of a relatively small group of individuals who have been at the head of courses that have hosted Canadian Opens. Like, there's not a lot of individuals that have had that opportunity when you think of the minimal amount of courses that have hosted Canadian Opens in our yep. country. So what what does uh, what does that mean to you? You know, it's amazing. I mean, you know, I, I've been a golf pro, I don't know, 37 years, been in the business, whatever, 40-something years, you know, getting old. Uh, but uh, but it's amazing. You know, as a young man, you love the RBC Kitty Open. You know, you're a golfer, right? You love the Masters. You love everything. So when we put our name in the hat, we had a chance to host it. It was it was something. Everything just had to lie. You know, Glen Abbey was sold because, you know, Glen Abbey was, in essence, going to host the can't open as long as the RCJ now Golf Canada owned it. Um, they would go to Royal Montreal once in a while, go to Shaughnessy, whichever. But everything just aligned. And then talking to you know Golf Canada at the time, um, our clubhouse wasn't big enough. I said, look, we're building a new clubhouse, you know, extension. It's going to be sixty-five thousand and square feet. And it's just, it, it's amazing. It's it's it was great for all of our young pros, all of our food and beverage people. It's it's a historical fact, almost like. You can't take that away. Like here we are almost 20 years later talking about it. And, and it still brings like a smile to my face because it was amazing. Just the merchandise we sold, the hamburgers we sold, the parking, the just everything. You know, you've got thousands and thousands of volunteers and, and you know, you're shut down for 13 days. So it's not yeah. like a, a four-day tournament, you know. And, and uh, so it was exhilarating and, you know, I think anyone who hosted it will tell you, sure, it's a lot of work. You don't even think of that. Sure, it's tiring. You don't even think of that. It's one of those things you look back and, and you go, wow, uh, just blessed to be part of it. Just uh, really a highlight of your career, really. Yeah, I think in this in this current era with the golf explosion that's happened due to COVID, I'm sure there's some courses, if you said to them, look, would you be willing to shut down for 13 days to host the Canadian Open? I bet some of them might go, mm, I'd have to think about it. Oh. <laughs> you're correct. And even back then, like think of Angus Glenn, like, you know, you, you and I have known each other for a long, long time. And remember how busy we were Two oh, courses, yeah. in essence, you know, in essence sold out every day, especially during prime time with tournaments and stuff. And, and that was a big, that was a big question. You're right. Shut down 13 days. That's a lot of golf tournaments to be, to be uh, uh, shutting down from, you know what you, you get, you get once we were lucky enough to get twice. We, you know, we had two RBC Canadian opens and one CP women's open, which is amazing. Um, and, and, you know, you don't turn that down if you have the opportunity. Yeah. And you raise, you know, what? you raise a good point. I, you're right. It, it was busy. As you said, it's pretty much sold out every day, which is amazing when you think about it. Do you think a large part of that in essence though, um, and maybe you could speak more to this, but did a lot of it have to do with the fact that people would come and be able, they wanted to be able to say, well, I played where the Canadian open was held. I, I, I actually think that happened. And helped a lot when we announced. We announced that we were holding the Canadian Open in 2000. I'm going to say May 2000. And the North Course was opening up June 2001. So from the time we opened in 95, we opened 1995 till 2000, we were sold out. We were, uh, you know, in essence, again, that was one course. But with two courses, you know yourself, rainy day, long weekend, April, October. So we needed something to keep those two courses busy. So I agree 100%. The one course, before 2000, no. But you are correct that everyone would come in from, say, Texas and go, hey, 
where do they hold the PGA event around here? And people would go, Glen Abbey or Angus Glen. And, and, you know, people would play it. So you are correct that people, when they go to a city, like if I went to, I don't know, if I went to New Orleans, I'd go, hey, it must be a good golf course if they hold a PGA tour event exactly. there, PGA tour. So it helped us a lot. It really did, yes. Kevin, let's uh, let's transition to the current situation with COVID, and let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the province of Ontario specifically. And there are so many... Uh, there was a new one that came out last night, actually, a, a visual image of the entire country, or sorry, the entire world, I should say, uh, flattened map. And green were the areas where you can golf legally, and red was the area where you couldn't. And the funny thing is, is that the entire world, except for Ontario, allows golf right now, which wow. is kind of unbelievable when you think about it. Um, what to, I, I know... Uh, you're involved. I know that there is a, a huge movement from several advocacy groups, the We Are Golf thing that happened yes. over a year ago. Yeah. Maybe talk a little bit from your perspective how much work is going on behind the scenes with li- do it, being liaisons to the government, uh, explaining your positions, and doing it in a way that's not like, uh, hey, open or else, but hey, here's the here's the positive facts. What can we do to work together and make this happen? Absolutely, and, 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 you, and you said it very succinctly. The thing is, you know, We Are Golf, which is NAGA, right? You know, National Allied Golf Association. Well, We Are Golf Ontario is doing a fantastic job, and they have since last March, since we've been, been locked down. And, and NAGA and We Are Golf, for your listeners, is like, you know, PG of Canada, Golf Canada, uh, you know, National Golf Course Association, Club Manager Association, and the Superintendent's Association. So, you know, five of the national organizations, and we have NAGA, Canada, we have We Are Golf Canada. But in this in this instance, We Are Golf Ontario is doing a fantastic job. They really are. You know, we got to open up in Ontario last year, May 17th. You know, my baseball didn't get to open. My hockey didn't open. Soccer didn't open. But golf opened. So now here we are. You know, sure, we got shut down a couple of weeks ago. That's one thing. But working behind the scenes, I always see that Golf Canada say, or the National Golf Course Awards, they're our partners. Well, the government's our partners. We don't want to put our golfers in harm's way, but the government knows and we know it's a very safe sport. 22 million rounds in Ontario last year, and there wasn't a case attributable of COVID to a golf course. Exactly. So, you know, we can do it safe. We also, with all, remember last year in, in March, April, and May, they just kept changing protocols, which is fine. We've got to keep the golfer safe. But our, our professionals, our general managers, our greenskeepers, I, you know, I don't want, I want uh, everybody. It, it's, it, it's a team event. The owners, we put the protocols in place and we went overboard. It was great to hear. I would hear from some of our health inspectors to say, wow, anywhere there's a PG of Canada pro or a general manager, someone who's like, you know, been, you know, uh, given protocols by their, you know, say the We Are Golf groups, they're doing a fantastic job. So, it, it's going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, there's meetings going on as we speak. Uh, you can't come out on social media. And like you said, the best thing is uh, I being a person demand golf opens. Really? <laughs> like, you know, first of all, you know, we're, we're in, we're in a pandemic. I call it a war. We have to listen to the experts. And that's one thing I've always said. We listen to the experts, but the great thing about the experts, they also listen to us. Yeah. So right now, we're hoping golf is going to open earlier than May 20th. We really believe it will because there had to be that pause. You know, this this third wave, all these variants, they had to do something. Sure, many people will say to you, 
they shouldn't have closed golf. I know, but you know what? They've got to take a stand. They closed the parks for a day, and that's the craziest thing. But it, they're just trying to do what they can with the information they have. So we feel that because we're a safe sport, they know we've always been a great partner. If they say, hey, people wear masks in golf courts, we do it. If people say, you know, if they say we need dividers in golf courts, we do it. So they know we're very easy to deal with, we're flexible. And when we open again, which like I said, Jody, I think will be sooner than later, you know, we'll open in a safe and respectful manner. Yeah, and Kevin, I wouldn't mind you commenting a little bit as well on um, what you know from your members within the PGA of Canada. And my point with this is I think a lot of times people think of golf as an elitist sport. So when we say, hey, we really want to be able to golf, people say, oh, like you need to golf. Like, oh, yeah, just rich people out there. They're political friends. I mean, that's always the connotation. But the reality is that in Ontario alone, and you probably can speak to the country better than I can, the amount of people that are employed, the economic impact, PGA of Canada professionals that generate revenue from lessons and teaching and instruction. like and, And the other thing, too, is a lot of people think these courses are corporately owned, but a lot of them are mom and pop shops that are just running to, I don't want to say survive, but they're not get, becoming millionaires off these things, are they? You are correct. And, and that's the fun thing. I, I The funny thing, I mean, I, I could go on for sort of half an hour with the numbers and, and you know, I'll paraphrase, but, you know, the great thing about like, you know, gross domestic product, GDP. So we do these studies and golf brings in more GDP than every other participation sport combined. Wow. Combined. Wow. Because think of, Think of a golf course. I won't say Angus Glen because I could go on and on about the acres. There. But a normal golf course, say 120, 130 acres, might have 40, 50 employees, you know, does, you know, three, four million in revenue. Well, think about it. 150 acres, you've got, let's say you do 30,000, 40,000 rounds. And how much money is that? How many golf tournaments? You know, your golf, your charity golf tournament. Yeah. See how much you raise. Yeah. So that's one thing, right? Think about when I go play baseball. We pay $100. There's 20 people out there, it's on maybe half an acre, you know, how many employees are there? One. Exactly. There's no employees. Like, you know, they, you know, there's maybe five employees take care of the, the hundred diamonds or, or the hundred soccer pitches. And, and, and that's when you start to think that I go, wow, Angus Glenn in the heyday, we had, we had 400 employees. Wow. We did 400 golf events. Wow. We did 1000 events. If you call weddings and meetings and, and, Put that against a, a hockey rink, and of course I love hockey, but think of like McGregor Park where I grew up. Uh, you know, two rinks on what a quarter of an acre. You know, and sure we're paying a couple hundred dollars an hour, but it's it's you do the math and the economics is staggering. But but the the thing about COVID and, and this stance, it's not about the economics. And the last thing I'll say though, you are once again you're dead on. Before COVID, I can't talk to COVID, but before COVID. I would say 25 to 35% of the courses were just hanging on. I mean, just hanging on. I would say, and, and let's take the private clubs out if they're owned by the members and, you know, and yeah. but even private clubs, I, across Canada, I could give you an example of 10 private clubs that before COVID I would talk to and they said, I don't know if we're going to make the year or, wow. you know, like, or if we make the year, it's not going to be, you know, very good outlook for next year. And as soon as, you know, everyone got to golf. Now those same courses are full. Those same courses are, are making some money. We'll see what happens after COVID. But the nice thing is 
this goes back to your, your about about you know the elite sport. How many private clubs are there now? Maybe 50 years ago, it might have been 30, 40 percent of golfers. I bet the private clubs is 10 percent of golfers now. Like yeah. I grew up at Seton Golf Club, which is like a you know back in the day was a 20, 25 dollar greens fee. You know, 89 acres, single row irrigation. So I man, did I hit the ball far in July when there's no irrigation out there? You know, and 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 that's that's what you said about the mom and pops. Sure, Clublink, they own a lot of courses. They're great. I mean, great corporation. But if you look around where you're, where I'm standing, and I'm in Markham, which is, you know, so close to Toronto, I look at that course. Oh, that's owned by a family. That course owned by a mom and dad. That course, you know, they're, they're all – the courses are not owned by corporations. They're owned by people. And, yeah. and, and that's why a sustained lockdown does not help them. But once again, not about the economics. We always try to say about the health benefits, you know, mental health. And also the exercise that golf brings, but 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 a good point, and and it's amazing how I'm going to say like 300 million dollars a year is raised in charity events, you know, at golf courses. It, it could be a gala, it could be inside the golf course, but but golf course. It's amazing when you talk about the the economic stats that golf brings to Canada. Yeah, and you, and just quickly, even on Clublink, I remember the day when uh, you know years ago, and again, you might agree disagree, but it felt like. To play at Club Link, it was like, whoa, I get to play at Club Link. And it was a big, a big accomplishment. But nowadays, it's not, I mean, it's not impossible to go play at a Club Link course. It's it, I, the barrier to entry seems to be much easier. Yes. Because the good thing about that is one of their first courses, I think it was their second course actually, was King Valley. And of course, King Valley was, you know, fantastic clubhouse, fantastic golf course, expensive. But now Club Link has all levels of golf. That's you know, right. they have, they have almost like the, the the almost the starter they have the public courses but it's almost like they have the starter private clubs too so any level of golfer is very inclusive now you can get into club link at, at any level you want now which is which they've done a good thing they've, they've brought golf private golf to the masses yeah and if you take a this is tongue-in-cheek but if you take a course like a blue springs and acton if you let a guy like tim o'connor join the course i mean you know oh, you know that yeah. that things <laughs> that well, things yeah. are going downhill <laughs> i see i see tim once in a while there and I boycotted. I've never played Blue Springs. I boycotted. I've never played there. <laughs> you and next time you see Tim, ask him about the time that we rescued a turtle at Blue Springs. True oh, story. True I story. love it. I yes. talk to him all the time. I will ask. Him. He's he's uh, one of our favorite guys, as you know. Yeah. Kevin, talk to us a little bit about what's going on in the world of PGA of Canada and what your members are saying. Uh, you know, like these professionals. What what's their thoughts these days? Yeah. Well. Uh, amazing things that PGA Canada, like, you know, across the country. And, and this is one thing for your, for your, you know, listeners to understand is that, you know, here we are in uh, Saskatchewan and, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a head professional. And of course, you know, as you know, at the clubs you play, we don't have an abundance of staff. You know, there might be a head pro, there might be a, an assistant pro, there might be a shop assistant, you know, that sort of thing. And we're used to doing 20, 25,000 rounds and we're used to working, you know, our five, six days a week and, and that sort of thing. Well, in the last year or two, rounds as you as everyone your listeners know you can't get them so we open up at 6 30 in the morning we close at 8 30 at night i I loved hearing the you know um the stories like yes uh the sun goes down at 8 52 today and our and our and our sheet is booked till 7 p.m i'm like excuse me they go oh they know they're getting five holes in yeah so so you know and, and this is just say not just the pros but the greenskeepers the food and beverage Everyone's working double time, and that's one thing I worried about during COVID last year. That that a lot of a lot of the golf industry people were were, were getting burned out because, you know, it's 
you're not, you know, if you're doing five, six, you know, shop shifts, there was always a bit of a breather. There's no breather anymore. It's, it's, you know, as soon as you get there, it's full. When you leave, it's full. So, but also uh, other things with the PGA Canada, um, one thing we just announced, I, I always like to say, is that we've started a benevolent fund for our members. You know, one thing that I'm very, very proud of is that, you know, here we are to help our members. You know, if there's any member in in need, their family, you know, there's something with their daughter, et cetera, we're here to help. So that's something nice. we just passed, and and uh, and I, I could I could talk uh, on and on. We also have a, a members assistance program, which is which is a great thing about that. Is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If someone needs legal advice or addiction help, they can call our, uh, the hotline 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So just little things that we're doing for our members that that hopefully uh, uh, you know uh, help them in the long run. So have you had calls from the Tilsonburg shop then? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually talked to the to the staff in Tilsonburg. Actually, I did. Yeah, yeah. Were they looking for legal advice? <laughs> you know what? It was pretty good. He, it, it, the nice thing is they, they just wanted to say that uh, the ownership said to them they did not have to work because it was one of those things where they were just trying to make a statement. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's he, funny. I said on yeah. I said on Twitter, not to interrupt, but I said on Twitter yeah. that. You know, because everyone was kind of losing their marbles in the golf world over Tilsonburg and doing this. And I, I was kind of like, hey, look, they're going to they're doing it, whatever. It's not the greatest thing. But as soon as I saw Brooke Henderson was going to win, I was like, people are going to forget about Tilsonburg in about 30 seconds when she wins that <laughs> event. And sure enough, I haven't heard anything about Tilsonburg since Brooke Henderson won. So is it, it, amazing. Ted oh my god. The news cycle is so short these days. Um, Kevin, quickly too, before we let you go, because I know you're a busy man. The events for PGA of Canada this year. What has COVID done on that front and how difficult has it been to navigate and how have people been receptive? I'm sure I'm sure everything's gonna be good, but yeah, good for you though. Like the, the the zone championships, like say Ontario or say Alberta, those are going forward. Last year, we had to cancel every single one of our national because of travel. This year, we've already pushed back one or two of our championships. So we're hoping that most of our championships are going to be now fall laden, you know, uh, pushing them back to August, September, October. Like, you know, we have our seniors championship in Montreal. Well, right now, if it was to be in May or June, we couldn't do it. But because it's August and then we have championships in September, October, we're hoping to go ahead. It's all about the vaccine role, you know, and it's all about, you know, interprovincial travel. We would never put our members in harm's way. So um, funny that we're a year later, like last April, I would have said, don't worry, next year we're fine. But here we are a year later and we still don't have our national championships. You know, we have the dates, but hopefully we'll be able to play. And quickly we've seen the explosion we've talked about it with rounds played and interest in the game are you seeing a direct translation to that when it comes to individuals who want to become pga of canada members and go after becoming a professional is it is i mean spike it, yeah yeah we we've seen the last two or three years because we've changed our education programs we've done a lot of nice things in, inside and we've seen a steady rise because for 10 years we were going downhill you know not not rapidly just a small little uh uh, uh, loss every year, but now the last two or three years it turned around. And during COVID, we are seeing an uptick in in people wanting to play the playing ability test and membership. So that, that's a that's a good question I've never had before. But we are definitely seeing an uptick in in uh, in interest, Jody. And this probably isn't a fair question, but if you had to select one or two individuals, male and female, that would be the at this moment the best playing professionals PGA of Canada has. What are some names that you'd throw out there? Oh wow, we've got some great. <laughs> and Laurie Kane, we're lucky. Is is is, is, is oh, a, yeah. that's easy. But but I'll tell you, we've got like uh, Bryn Perry out in the West Coast, amazing. You know. Yes. Uh, um, we've got J.P. Bedard, who's our number one 
uh, uh, ranked uh, player right now in Quebec, and we have uh, so many great men and women. And you know, we've got Rebecca Lee Bentham uh, on the ladies' side, and, and, and amazing. So I'll give you ten seconds here. There was a first ever Women's Cup, Women's PGA Cup in Texas. It was now a year and a half ago. And of course, the Americans have like such a strong field. We came in second and we were leading them with about nine, well, on, on the second day with about nine holes to go. Our our women players are so, you know, so fine these days. Our team was this close to winning the world championship kind of thing. So wow. it, it bodes well for the future. Yeah, that's amazing. Kevin, if people want to find out more about PGA of Canada, what's the best way to do it? Yeah, pgaofcanada.com. Uh, you know, follow us on Instagram and, and, and Twitter. And also if they're, if they're looking to join, it's very simple. You go to pgfcan.com and, and it's, and it's simple. There's a booklet there to take you right through the steps. And I noticed too, that you've done a lot more videos the last little while. Has COVID forced you to become a little more tech savvy or were you always that way? I was always kind of tech savvy, but I was tech savvy amongst the members. But, but I think with, uh, with COVID and lockdown, it's, it's golfers. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Jody. And and it's funny. I think my last video had five, six thousand views. I'm like, what? My mom can't watch. My mom, my mom can't watch that many times, right? So, <laughs> no, yeah. I think it's it's you're doing a great job. We appreciate your time, and we wish you all the best. And we're looking forward to connecting uh, once all this is done here in our uh, province and our country and the world, for that matter. So. Thanks, Jody. Thanks for having me. I always appreciate being on. Thanks to Kevin Thistle for his time today, PGA of Canada legend, and he's doing a great job there. Uh, we certainly certainly encourage you to check out what they are doing. There are a ton of good professionals uh, in Canada, in our country. One guy, one name I was going to throw out there, Nick Kenny, uh, who I believe is still at the National. He can play. That kid, that kid's good. And there's uh, a course I need. Brett, you and I need to get out to the National. Can you pull some strings? Have you ever? Uh, that course is like, yeah, that's one of the best courses in Canada. I hear it's freaking hard though. So maybe I don't want to go play there. Or if I do, I play way up uh, from the tees. Uh, don't forget, you can always email us J O D I E at JJ, the Would love to hear your thoughts, any questions, feedback. And uh, we certainly appreciate the time you take to reach out. Brett, enjoy the rest of your week. We will do this again in seven days. See ya.